Hello and welcome to Very Much Earth Darkana. I'm your host, Harrison Cordell, here to introduce you to Matthew Eastdale. Hello. On today's episode, we talk about some things Force-related, other things future-related, and all things science fiction. We're doing a very straight-laced intro today because we have some straight-laced characters to talk about. We're diving into paladin subclasses. Possibly the straightest character you could do. Paladins are the sort of divine martial class of D&D. Think a mix of fighter that does fighting and cleric that does praying. But now, not only does he attack, he also pray? He's got the power of God and anime on his side. He does. I mean, you could do an oath of anime. That could be a good meme one down the the connection. But yeah, paladins are a really interesting class in D&D, as in they're very good at slicing and dicing and wearing a lot of heavy armor, but they're also good at religion. They're a little bit more intelligent than the average fighter, unless you're playing like a, you know, psychic fighter, which is a pretty cool subclass. And also charisma focused with their like secondary spell casting, so they can do like more leadership role play stuff too, if you'd like to go that route. Exactly. Uh, Paladin is honestly a little bit of a tricky class in that sense. Uh, You have to have good charisma for your spellcasting and your sort of divine presence, but for your divine knowledge, you need to invest in intelligence, and of course, you need to invest in strength to, you know, basically carry the team on your back as the moralist heathens that adventurers are, (laughs) and also just swinging a weapon very good. I'm currently playing a dexterity-based paladin, which which is very fun, but it's good to just be a beefy, god-loving boy, you know? <laughs> Technically, you don't actually have to be, you know, a God-loving sort of guy. Uh, religion in D&D, pretty interesting that way, in the fact that there are, you know, gods in existence that honestly can't be denied. You know, they very much exist and very much grant, you know, a lot of, and grant a lot of benefits to their followers and a lot of, you know, smiting and evil stuff if you're not one of the followers. Classic big bad kind of energy. There's a lot of very interesting things to play with, you know, paladins and religion in D&D, because there are a lot of subclasses that let you uh, devote yourself. More than religion, it's about faith, first and foremost. It's always super interesting in that regard when talking about you devote yourself to, you know, what's up with paladins, for the example. Your declarations of faith come in at about level three, which, hot take, it should be level one, like the cleric. Um, you kind of, it's kind of weird because so much, unlike other, I mean... There's a few classes that do like a level one subclass that like sort of define like how you do what you do, as we talked about in episode zero. But this is honestly one of the only classes at third level that completely defines like how you are as a person, how you how to practice your faith in a just sort of game setting. As a paladin, you take an oath. This oath uh, can be pretty simple. There's oath of devotion. That's your basic, you know, white bread and glass of water paladin. of just like i've been devoted to a god yeah but there's a lot more complicated ones than that there's like oath of glory which is like a very greek inspired like you know Colosseum romer of just like i will battle for glory and empower other people to seek their own glory and most of their oaths are literally about like hey you hone your body you hit the gym every day no days off that sort of energy a goblin paladin that i'm playing right now is oath of the crown as he's devoted to the goblin king he He has like a lot of abilities about like sort of crowd control and like taking the hits uh, for others, you know, in case like his king is in danger, he puts himself in harm's way. Uh, And also like he can compel duelant, a lot of fun stuff. A lot of oaths are not only grant powers based on what you 
what your like purpose is, but also like how you should act. You know, there's like, um, so every oath has like three basic tenements uh, that we'll see in our subclasses uh, today that are uh, all very cool. You also get spells in this subclass. A lot of other third levels uh, don't. What spells they cast depends on where they draw from their power, obviously. So yeah, really cool. It's just really good on lore and like character building and role playing. Uh, Paladins all roll up to one and you should always select it at first level. And it's kind of weird that no like further D&D addition. Well, not addition, but further uh, D&D update allows you to choose it at first level because that's why I usually start one shots and other campaigns at level three because without subclasses, especially in the case of Paladin, you just kind of feel naked. Yeah, definitely at the first couple of levels of most of the time, it, it feels very much like you got stick, you whack, you got sorcery, you do sorcery without a ton of like those other mechanics that start to add a lot of the flavor and stuff. Yeah, into exactly. Yeah. And and the cooler mechanics too. So. <laughs> exactly, yeah. A lot of the cool stuff. I mean, I, I do understand the, the actual climb from level 1 to 20 is designed so that way, like the beginning of it, you are just learning the basics. You have anywhere you can go. Uh, with no, You have to m- find your direction while playing the game. But, you know, we here at VME Arcana and like the people I play with, we always care. We kind of like already have a direction for the character when we create it. And a lot of people don't play like that. So, yeah. I mean, that's why the level 1 to 20 system works as well as it does, It because people can start wherever they want in their campaign and play to their comfort. Like, if you're learning the game, start at level 1. Uh, if you're aware of the games as rules but haven't been able to play yet, start with level 3. But speaking of level 3, let's level up and choose our Paladin subclass right now. So the first subclass we have for today is a pretty special one, in my opinion. Uh, not a special one. A ton of people have done this in their own homebrews, and Star Wars 5e is a pretty big <laughs> juggernaut of its own. But I don't want to go too complex into Star Wars 5e because it's complex and it scares me. Kind of like how it's like to start D&D, so maybe someday we'll cover it on this podcast. <laughs> but in the meantime, we have two very special sci-fi-driven subclasses. We're talking uppercase S science fiction here. So let's just jump into the king of all science fiction, Star Wars. Now you're probably thinking, oh, how would you do a Star Wars one? I thought this podcast was about comic books. Well, joke's on you. Okay. If they're Star Wars comic books. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Star Wars comic books saved Marvel from bankruptcy back in the 90s. All of like this sort of lead up to the prequels and Shadows of the Empire like came in. It's just like, hey, we need somebody to publish Star Wars comics, but we're not going to pay people a bunch. And Marvel was like, hey, we'll take anything, <laughs> man. We're selling filing cabinets. And if that's not 100% correct, you got me. <laughs> hey, go on our Patreon and, uh, you know, comment, you know. Speaking of Patreon, these all PDFs we talk about this episode are available on patreon.com slash VME Arcana for free. If you just want to look at it and go in the comment section and talk about any you know recommendations you have or um, passive aggressive comments uh, about how you don't like it and it should be more fantasy. <laughs> all right, let's just into this Jedi inspired subclass Oath of Connection. Now, there are many uh, wonderful Jedi subclasses for monks, for clerics. I think I saw one time for like a Sithy kind of like barbarian one. That was kind of cool where you can like, you know, dash around and like force lightning and stuff. But I think Paladin, because not only is it like a mix of spellcasting and martial class, but like faith is a very important part of being a Jedi other than trade (laughs) negotiations for... And, and that kind of gets to, too, how, uh, like, your paladin doesn't necessarily have to be a, a God-loving boy. It's more just having faith in something, even if that's some sort of un- ill-defined cosmic force. Speaking of an ill-defined cosmic force, let's define it a little bit. But is it defined? I guess we'll find out. <clears throat> Cue the dramatic music. 
the oath of connection. Power doesn't come from the gods. It comes from those you trust and those who trust you. And the trust you put in the world around you. The trust in the balance of the light and dark. The trust in the connection of all things, living or not. Bit of a short and sweet one. Basically, the sort of unifying force in like your campaign could be just like the connections between things. In the King Kill Chronicles that uh, Eli has had me read, um, magic works in like empathy, the connection between two things. It's kind of inspired by that. And the force is like binding everything, but calling something the force is probably a rights violation. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how Lucasfilm or Disney can copyright the term the force, but they probably figured out a way to do it. I wouldn't put it past them. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The oaths uh, for this. For every oath uh, as a paladin, you have these sort of sub-oaths. These are the tenements that you live by and have to operate by while adventuring, or else you'll lose your powers. At the DM's discretion, you know, you can have like a three-strike system, you know. <laughs> yeah, so three sub-oaths, uh, balance, adventure, excitement. A hero does not crave these things. You are not an adventurer. You are on a mission. So you got to be pretty serious about what you're doing. You can't goof around too much. Which is hard to break that in a regular home game. So. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, Especially yeah. with our group. <laughs> <laughs> Connection. The world is connected to all things. You must live peacefully and respect all things. And you must foster strong corrections if you wish to grow stronger. You gotta be nice. Like a lot of paladin things have like certain things of just like, oh, you need to get this from someone. It's like, oh, you need to show someone the way. And like a thing about the Jedi is that, you know, they're supposed to be really respectful and like really respect like cultural boundaries it's just like hey you know we're just crazy magic knights that slice everything but we'll leave you to your religion or whatever exactly they're peacekeepers not not warriors or whatever they they try and whatever, say in the prequels whatever their uh, slogan is on the pamphlet they give to like <laughs> yeah. parents of two-year-olds that can like jump around like five feet in the air <laughs> commitment do or do not, there is no try. You must commit to everything you do. Never back down from a challenge and you would eventually succeed. So don't run away. Just commit to something. Hopefully these are good guidelines for like, you know, pretty solid like act of character in a campaign because it is kind of easy as a paladin to be like, you know, it's just like, oh, I'll, I'll follow someone. My path is just to exist and be faithful. Um, but hopefully these tenets uh, will make someone more active while playing. Uh, maybe a new player could find like some more sort of active ways to participate if they're just like, okay, I, I have to work and I have to take this mission seriously. Uh, so I'm going to be, I'm going to have some agency, uh, which is like the hardest thing to get as like a player. D&D &D is like to get enough agency. And then we get to the fun stuff. Paladins at third level, fifth level, ninth level, 13th level, and 17th level. It's a bit of a mouthful. Um, basically, there's a spell table. Uh, that'll give you spells uh, that you can cast. At third level, you imbue any sword with the power to create a sacred weapon connected to the world itself. After you remove the blade, you carve a divine rune into the hilt. The divine rune can ignite as a free action and summon a blade of pure radiant light. Mm. The blade has the same stats as the sword before you enchanted the hilt, but you now add your charisma modifier to attack rolls. The weapon also emits a light in a 10-foot radius and a dim light 10 feet beyond that. The weapon damage is now considered magical. Very cool. Mm, that Very sounds cool. a lot like a lightsaber Indeed. if I'm uh, if I'm rolling pretty yeah, good exactly. for perception But here. it's a magic radiant blade instead of technology because people get a little like, mm, I don't know about technology in D&D. &D. You know, that's why yeah. uh, the artificer is just like 
very strictly like, oh, you know, it's like steampunk, but mostly magic, so nothing to worry about. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is purely just divine magic. Um, that isn't too powerful because like early on, like people are a little bit apprehensive to do like high damage kind of thing. So for balance's sake, I just said like you hit more often for now, and also. D&D is a little bit weird for, like, light spells, so you just kind of have to do, like, there's a difference between light and dim light a little bit, but dim light is really just, like, illuminating walls and stuff, you know? Sort of like a soft backlight for those in the filmmaking business, or has had too many classes with film kids. (laughs) Matt, would you mind reading Channel Divinity? I sure can. Channel Divinity. Also at third level, you gain the following two Channel Divinity options. Number one, Word of the World. You can use your channel divinity to augment your presence by building a connection with creatures you don't even know. As a bonus action, you grant yourself a plus five bonus to charisma checks for the next 10 minutes. And number two is wounds of the world. You channel divinity to choose a number of creatures you can see within 30 feet of you, up to a number equal to your one plus charisma modifier for one minute. You and the creatures you choose glow with radiant light and add plus one plus your charisma modifier of radiant damage to their attacks once per roll. Yes. Now, Channel Divinity is usually a bit of a mouthful because, like, you know, you got, like, a few different bonuses and you got to, like, apply them to a certain number of people, but there's, like, limits on that naturally that kind of scale with time. Uh, it seems more complicated than it is and some of these might seem overpowered, uh, but the very important thing with homebrewing in general and what we're trying to homebrew here is that it's all about precedent. Like these are actual numbers taken from a few different sort of subclasses uh, throughout the years, fr- straight from Wizards of the Coast uh, with a few differences so we don't get sued. Um, <laughs> if we they got do those sue, royalty-free you know, uh, character features. <laughs> got that royalty-free SRD, kind of. <laughs> but yeah, basically, I was thinking about like an advantage on Christmas checks but like rolling advantages like rolling twice is like okay but like doing it for every single check is a bit of a mouthful so luckily there was some precedent to just have like a plus five flat um for the 10 minutes basically just to like basically diffuse things and like calm things down um instead of just having like a weird like oh this person yeah force a wisdom saving throw to do you know the jedi mind trick or something and the wounds of the world isn't really a jedi thing but it's just like a classic paladin thing to like empower and enchant other just like empower and enchant other people's weapons to basically be on your level, <laughs> which is what the grind is all about. Tell them to get good and they fight better. Next up at seventh level, we have the aura of connections. Um, every paladin gets an aura to give to other allies, unless you're like a really evil paladin. There's a few evil paladin classes that are pretty fun, like Oath of Vengeance. You can just like, oh, I can do more damage because I'm darker. My faith <laughs> is in the darkness. Some stuff like that. But yeah, pretty simple aura of connection. You gain true sight for 30 feet for allies within 10 feet of you. Yeah, that's a bit of an odd thing with most um, paladin auras is that it's like creatures within a certain number of you, which automatically limits it because only a certain number of creatures can be within like a square on the map. Uh, Basically, D&D is like entirely in like a sort of like square sort of top plane map. Five feet, one creature can be in. Ten feet, four creatures can be in. It's just like it's like a, a wider and wider area for more cube there is yeah it's like those electron maps from uh from high school chemistry <laughs> it's exactly like that 100 percent. so yeah you can only have so many electrons in your sort of high school chemistry map is how we'll refer to that for ease of access let's say <laughs> also what's always cool about a paladin aura is that it in- increases the 30 feet which basically you have to get it like okay everyone huddle, huddle up huddle up huddle up here's a little bonus 
Here's a, here's you know. a little bit of true sight for you for your time. Yeah, Paladin is also a really cool character because they're such a high charisma faith because cl- they're like a charisma based faith class. Um, being by them just grants a lot of bonuses to your allies, just like being near them, which is always cool, like advantage on saving throws, stuff like that. But what's even cooler is a better laser sword at fifteenth level. The sword hilt you choose for divine runes are empowered as you build your connection with the radiant blade itself. The divine hilt gains the following features. The blade gains properties of a thrown weapon. When you throw the blade, the attack is considered slashing damage when you land a ranged attack. You gain the thrown weapon fighting style. After you throw the blade, you can have the blade magically returned to you at the start of your turn. So, basically to break this down, uh, this is basically throwing a lightsaber, which is a very cool video game thing that only in the movies Ray could do because of, wow, a lot of powers. Very <laughs> video gamey powers all the way to the end. Yeah, it's cool to throw a laser sword and have it come back to you. Maybe in further editions, uh, we could dexterity saving throw to catch it. But honestly, just like having to wait to the start of your next turn to catch it as a free action is always good. Or you can just like leave it stuck in someone too, you know? Yeah. Or just like waving around in the air, doing like the spitting sword thing of which is always a good feeling. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you need someone to hold on to it for you while you do something else. And so you can just leave it over there. Exactly. Leave it flying about. Um, also at 15th level, uh, while holding your blade, you can use your reaction to deflect a missile with using your radiant blade. When hit with a ranged attack, you can reduce the damage by 1d10 plus your charisma modifier plus your paladin level. When the damage is reduced to zero, you deflect the missile back at your attacker. You can use deflect missile on magical ranged attacks. So basically, a few different spells require ranged attack rolls, uh, which is easy. But um, the reason why that's such a mouthful is because that's ba- deflect missile is a monk feature, like in the regular monk class, to where the very cool kung fu thing of catching a dart and throwing it back at someone. At 20th level, it escalates to the point where you can catch a full like boulder from a catapult and like hurl it back. Um, <laughs> exactly like the ending of Kung Fu Panda 2, which is absolutely <laughs> legendary. <laughs> And also, there's nothing better than deflecting a laser with your lightsaber, dude. Like, nothing better in sound design, nothing better in game, video game design. You gotta put it in D&D. You just have to. And uh, when you're playing Jedi Fallen Order and you land that, that perfectly timed deflect and shoot it right back, that's, ooh, chef's kiss. That's what it's all about. That's why I'm playing it again. <laughs> After seeing the Kenobi trailer. We'll keep the tangents to a minimum, but uh, when was the last time you played Fallen Order, Matt? uh i played it maybe like a year ago now sometime during quarantine <laughs> which has all kind of blurred together but somewhere around there yeah that's a good quarantine i had a fun time playing it so uh i would definitely yeah. recommend it truly an all-timer game that's a little glitchy uh it's a game i love so much that i hit a game breaking bug three hours in and i had no problem starting it over and it's still one of my favorite games <laughs> and now finally we come to the Ooh. Bless you. Well, thank you. <laughs> the noise canceling kind of cut that out, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I tried to mute myself real quick, but uh, d- didn't quite hit the button on time. <laughs> no, you did though. I didn't. Oh, it was yeah. silent. Hold on. Hell yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, we've hit twentieth level. One with the world. You are the world's most powerful agent of balance. All of the connections you've made on your journey empower you for the final steps into becoming a legend. You gain the following features. You can cast Jump and Featherfall without using a spell slot. Once per long rest, you can cast the Telekinesis spell without using a spell slot. When an enemy creature starts its turn, 
in your sword's light, it takes a 2d8 points of radiant damage. So basically, that's just a straight-up divine smite every time they're in your sort of range of light within 10 feet of you. Yeah, it seems a little bit overpowered, but paladins are a very cool, interesting subclass in in which, for your subclass features, you have to wait ages for the final payoff of level 20 to where you get some god-level kind of stuff. And um, honestly, doing homebrew for paladins subclasses is super fun because you get to tie in like this sort of level of godhood and like superpowers making a comic book inspired homebrew book. You get to totally base it around like not only the concept of your character, but how much your character has grown over the course of the entire adventure, uh, which always feels great. And yeah, that's Oath of Connection. Nice. Yeah, any thoughts, Matt? Anything that kind of puts off your sort of D&D character sense? You always make off-the-wall zany character. <laughs> we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can definitely work with this. If I hadn't already landed on a <laughs> on a yes. trying-to-break-your-world character for the one-shot we were doing, I, I might have gone down this route, as I do love Jedi and Star Wars. Who and, doesn't? Except for a lot of people now. Yeah, <laughs> man, I would, I would definitely be rocking a laser sword. <laughs> I, that's fantastic. Speaking of laser swords, and speaking of Matt's next character for our first one shot coming next time on VME Arcana, announcing it here. Matt, would you mind reading the opening paragraph for the oath of the future? The future is doomed without you. You have sworn, by any means, to save the future from cosmic destruction, or magical destruction, or some kind of destruction. The powers at B have given you the power and chance to do so, even if they don't give too much information to go off of. Let me let me lay wow. the scene a little bit here mm-hmm. to introduce the character I'm going with with this build. Most paladins, right, when people think of paladins, they're thinking like the knights of the round table. Like, Human 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 in a fantasy people, setting not in from a the fantasy future. setting sword and shield they've got some sort of like higher power giving them some sort of divine quest you know like sir galahad type my character is the terminator essentially but he's not the terminator he's the annihilator uh for mm-hmm. copyright reasons yeah, Matt is very aware of copyright, even though all of his characters are based off. <laughs> are just blatant ripoffs. <laughs> but honestly, as as any as any new DM should be aware of, fictional characters are fine. It can always be worse. Uh, the worst possible <laughs> player is the one who makes characters off of celebrities. So honestly, <laughs> just try your best to like. I've done. I've I've become very good at controlling Matt with his you know, fictional inspirations to be like, oh yeah, sure. You knew a fictional inspiration. Uh, you're just crazy. And you think of the world in the wrong way. So <laughs> Matt made this future character for a high school mystery drama. <laughs> it's our first one shot. So yeah. In, imagine in the CW and imagine in Riverdale, imagine a robot from the future comes in and says, I'm going to save the future by solving your teen mystery, <laughs> which honestly isn't too far off for Riverdale, but Honestly, that does sound like a plot point that is in the works. Right now. Yeah, it's the mid-season finale. <laughs> Just imagine like a Scooby-Doo crossover with the Terminator movies, I think is what yeah. we're going for. Which has also kind of happened, I think. They did Scooby-Doo Apocalypse, which is just like like three apocalypses happen at like once and the Scooby-Doo gang have to do like a, with a robot Scooby have to run around. So we're pretty Solid close. Enough run. 
Pretty close. Getting closer, uh, we have the sort of sub-oaths of the future, uh, the tenets that Matt must live by in this uh, upcoming (laughs) one-shot. Oaths. Augmentation. You must sacrifice whatever you were before. You must accept any offer that can make you stronger than any threats to the future. Vigilance. You must remain alert and assess any current threat to the future. At least with my Terminator-esque uh, character that I'm going for. Sort of the backstory, which I have to talk to one of our other players a bit more about it, is his character built me as a science project, essentially. <laughs> and uh, rather than, like, you know, more some sort of, like, cosmic or divine being kind of being my gathering, at least what I'm thinking at the moment is more just, like, his character and his character's future is kind of like the oath I've taken because that's what he's like programmed into me as a robot. <laughs> um, so whatever like upgrades he he says I gotta get, like I'll get it because you know, I'm a robot and he he told me to. So, so we're going for kind of more of a Terminator Two type setup here. <laughs> Where his character's that little boy and I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I'll I'll probably make a thumbs up reference at some point. In, uh, I mean, you have to, yeah. Uh, a bit of a, a bit of tabletop advice for anybody trying wanting to make a joke character uh, every single time. We'll call this a table tip. Um, <laughs> it's pretty easy to give your players what you want if you um, if you give your players like what you want initially. You can basically mold it to like rein it in a little bit later down the line. So yeah, just luckily make it like dependent on another character or if you're trying to be like an edge lord, you have to like you can like okay, you can be a bit edgy, but you need this person for your own selfish gain. So that way you basically foster a connection or a relationship at the beginning uh, without them being a complete edge lord. <laughs> and now Matt, I got to tell you. Tell me. I went to change what I'm the PDF I was looking at and then I just ended up reading from the same one again. So I'm going to read from the correct sub this time. Okay. You alone must find threats to the future. You must always remain vigilant and active in stopping evil or those in power from dooming this world. Augmentation. Your body will never be strong enough to stop everything. You must take any power and any augmentation you have access to, regardless of the consequences. The greater good. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. When forced to make a tough decision, you make the choice for the future, not for yourself, and not even for a small few you could maybe save. So a little, little bit of a darker kind of uh, paladin, some darker uh, oaths there, but you're trying to do the greater good, but you may have to be forced to either make some tough calls or uh, take some punishment from the sort of deities, uh, from the future sort of guiding you, uh, basically to tell you, hey, knock it off. Yeah, if, if you allow me to just spitball here for a little bit, an interesting way for me to take this greater good sub-oath might be that when I'm making choices, I'm pretty much just considering how it's going to affect uh, my creator, <laughs> the character that has programmed me, and even at the expense of others. And so part of that sort of like setup might get the other character my creator character to have to make some some choices too based on like what he kind of tells me to do and that might make for some good for some good character building between between the two of us yeah really great moments especially since as a care as a science project as a character uh you are charged with protecting eli's academic future more than anything so 
you know, which yeah. is very fun. Uh, and also the Paladin uh, spells for uh, this one, you know, both of the future spells. Uh, there's a few highlights here. You get Wrathful Smite, which is just like, you know, dark, edgy smite, you know, that usually um, only a few warlocks can have. But we're just going to give it to you. Um, <laughs> subclasses, another table tip uh, is that a lot of subclasses can like bend the rules for a little bit for what spells you can get. As long as it works for the subclass, just take it. It's kind of the same thing with alter self. Uh, you can alter your like robotic parts or like, you know, other things to like basically blend in better. Um, I thought the tongue spell is another highlight to like communicate with people to like get information on the present and like, you know, how they can be applied to the future. And of course, legend lore to see the past, to understand the present, to save the future. Now, that's a logline for most movies, probably starring Bruce Willis and probably a 5% of Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. And then we have the Channel Divinity, which is pretty cool for this. And then we have the Channel Divinity options, which are uh, pretty cool, not going to lie. Uh, one of these is a precedent from a previous subclass that existed uh, from Wizard of the Coast, but one of these is one of my own creations. Uh, at third level, you can augment allies' vision to aid you in saving the future. You gain the following two channel divinity options. Hindsight. You take an action to give others your knowledge of the future. As an action, you can choose one plus your charisma modifier creatures you can see to have advantage on saving throws. Present threat. You mark an enemy as a threat to the future. As a bonus action, you choose a creature within 30 feet that has disadvantage on all saving throws. And all allies add 2d8 radiant damage to the first attack they land on the creature. Um, 2d8 is the damage a divine smite can do, the paladin's main bread and butter. Um, so, um, to be like a little bit nicer about it, I said like the first attack they land, but in playtesting, if you guys do too much damage in this one shot, uh, I'll probably rein it back to, um, on their first attack. And then if they miss, they don't get to do it. Um, but that's a little mean <laughs> for a channel divinity that you only get once per day. From level 1 to 20, you only get one channel divinity a day. Aura of Hindsight. At 7th level, you admit an aura where the future can't surprise you or your allies. You and the creatures you choose within 10 feet within ten feet of you can't be surprised and have a plus 1 added to their initiative. At 18th level, the aura increases to 30 feet. Yeah, classic aura for initiative that's inspired by the Oath of the Watchers, which is also a super cool paladin class that I'll play soon. Um, well, it's all about like magic eyes and stuff. Uh, speaking of magic eyes and other magic stuff, we go to the star of the show. At 15th level, we have upgrades. At 15th level, your deity has given you the power to upgrade your weapons and your own body to stop future threats. You choose two of the following upgrades. Sword Hilt. You enchant a divine sword hilt that you can ignite as a free action. Igniting it creates a plus two to your proficiency bonus blade of pure radiant light that does 1d8 plus your proficiency bonus plus your charisma modifier of radiant damage. So yeah, basically the it's, it's a lightsaber, laser sword. Uh, <laughs> And these other two are laser weapons. Um, you enchant a crossbow to produce an infinite, to produce infinite radiant bolts that do two d six plus your proficiency bonus and your charisma modifier of radiant damage once per attack action. So crossbows, uh, this is a little bit of a confusing five e that I always have to look up when it comes up that. Uh, crossbows have something called the loading property instead of like reloading every once in a while you have to like load the crossbow and shoot it so you only get to fire one sort of crossbow bolt per action even if you have two attacks in one action at like later levels with martial characters 
and the broken bow, you enchant a radiant bowstring to do infinite radiant arrows. They do 1d6, but you can attack twice per action. So you can fire two arrows in an attack action crossbows. You can only fire one bolt. Um, it's a little confusing, but it makes sense during play. Uh, you also have an arcane arm. Uh, you can replace your arm with an instrument of divine metal that gives two plus your charisma fire to your AC and resistance to radiate damage. That's just the classic cable from X-Men, you know, future hero. You gotta get a metal arm. You gotta get a metal eye. Arcane eye. You replace your eye with a divine arcanical, arcane mechanical eye that grants a permanent true sight of 60 feet and an advantage on perception and insight checks. Um, that might be a little overpowered. That'll take some playtesting uh, later on. And uh, augmented champion isn't too complicated. At 20th level, you are fully evolved to save the future from certain destruction. You gain all features from the list of upgrades. Also, you now crit on a roll of 19 or 20. So yeah, maybe we'll have some better ideas for level 20 down the line, but I thought might as well keep it simple. Might as well be like fully just sort of upgraded and have a lot of versatility at level 20. And also just like roll damage better because that's always fun. Yeah. So I, yeah. I always like rolling damage. I love that little dopamine hit when you when you get good exactly. damage on an attack roll. Increased <laughs> crits is always fun. And honestly, spread the wealth fighters. Fighters exactly. can crit on like a 17 at some point if you're a champion fighter, 18 if you're a normal fighter. It's pretty wild might as well spread the critical wealth exactly everyone needs to land a crit every once in a while it's good for the soul and what's good for the soul is good for a DD game exactly which is the paladin's whole deal is just like hey i'm living my best life i'm doing a lot of care for my soul so i can make other souls leave the bodies of evil exactly you gotta have your soul feeling good so you can do god's work which is exactly. kicking ass. <laughs> Which is kicking ass and ending a podcast dramatically. <laughs> so uh, that's the end of our show. Uh, we have two great paladin subclasses uh, down in the tank. And if we have any more subclasses to come, I shouldn't have stopped there. Um, <laughs> but before that, we have a very special announcement. We are doing our first play test we are going to play a one shot of DD where matt will play as the oath of the future and we'll play those high school characters uh, that we were talking about uh, we are joined by eli matt and matt's wife maddie oh my wife my wife my wife <laughs> so if you already didn't close the podcast after that little riff that little <laughs> reference Feel free to check out patreon.com slash VME Arcana uh, to check out the PDFs we talked about. Feel free to email us at VMEArcana at gmail.com to ask questions about the show or tell us that you don't like the show. Feel free. <laughs> if you put in the effort, I'll accept it. You can review the show on whatever podcast platform you're using. Um, it helps sometimes, probably. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, or you can keep all your opinions to yourself and enjoy your blissful ignorance of playing rules as written Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> or you can be brave and playtest stuff for us and give us your feedback. As we say at the end of every VME Arcana episode, stay safe and stay sane, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>